Good morning, y'all. It is Sunday morning, 25th of August, and it's time to conclude the publishing series on Deconstructor Fun. So this is the last episode of this mobile publisher series. And as you know, in each of the episode, we sat down with the CEO of a top mobile publisher and discussed how they approach publishing, what is their company's strategy, how do they work with developers, and how do they see the future of publishing on mobile. Now, in the previous episodes, if you haven't listened to those, uh, I suggest you do, and there's going to be links wherever <laughs> wherever you're uh, listening to this. Anyway, in the previous episodes, we talked to Scopely's co-CEO, Javier Ferreira, uh, Tilting Point's president, Samir El Ajili, and ex-Flare Games founder and C- CEO, and current CEO of Phoenix Games, Klaus Kersting. This final episode is with Ivan Trenchik, CEO and founder of Superscale. And yes, we, we only took CEOs whose names are very hard to pronounce, but I think we're, we're doing a good job. Anyway, uh, we started off the series with the premise that traditional publishing hasn't worked on mobile. And our goal was really to understand if there's different way um, if there are different publishing models that work on mobile. So to summarize the foundings, I'd say there's sort of a continuum of possible publishing models uh, for, for mobile business. On one side, there's this sort of a alliance model, which Phoenix represents. It's almost a group of companies that share, uh, that, that basically are all invested in the future of the group as a whole, which, which gets rid of the publisher versus studio misalignment that is very typical in publishing models. Now, caveat with, the, with this model, with the Phoenix model, is that it's yet to be proven to work as Phoenix Games is pretty much still in the ashes of Flare Games. And I know Flare Games exist, but that's, you know, the metaphor and so forth. Actually, Flare, Phoenix, it kind of makes sense. Anyway, on the opposite side of Phoenix Games is Superscale, which this episode will cover through and through. Now, Superscale wants only to be a growth partner. They focus on helping to lower the CPI through, you know, optimization creatives, app store optimization, and so forth. Uh, as as also uh, at the same and at the same time rising, increasing the LTV through monetization design, dynamic dynamic offers, ad monetization, and so forth. And then once the CPI is low enough, the LTV is high enough, they will scale the game or super scale if it if it really works. Um, super scale doesn't have a store account, and they're not looking to build any kind of integrated partnerships with co-development or merger acquisitions at the end of the. Uh, at the end of the tunnel or at the end of the partnerships, they are only looking to help you to grow the game um, in all possible ways. Now, in between the tilting point and the Phoenix model is Scopely and tilting point. Um, Tilting point has some elements of super scale in terms of them starting the relationship as a growth partner, but the difference is that they want to make a successful growth partnership growth partnerships turn into a more permanent partnership with with possible with co-development and even possible acquisitions at the um, at the end of uh, end of the tunnel scopely on the other on the other hand is closer to phoenix but truly in a path of their own scopely makes games by first analyzing the market finding opportunities there uh, finding opportunities in the market and then going after those opportunities opportunities with genre focused developer internal team of specialists 
and the IP that resonates with the target audience. This model starts with co-development and ends in acquisition in best case scenario, like with Digit Games that, that made the, uh, the awesome Star Trek game. Anyways, this was a very long intro and then a sort of a summary of the whole series. I hope you enjoyed the series. Uh, I hope you um, you got out of it as, as we got out of it, uh, as much as we got out of it. And I know JK and I both truly enjoyed recording it, so I hope it's fun for you to also listen to it. Now, I suggest you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't yet done it, because we're working on a couple of new series that are insightful, relevant, entertaining, and um, and just, I don't know, I would, I would describe them as dope, <laughs> but, but uh, it's up to you to decide later. And um, if you feel, if you feel, if you truly feel, we're not, we're not pushing you, but if you truly feel that we earned five stars for doing this series, don't be shy, you know, just give it, <laughs> give them to us. <laughs> and uh, without further ado, a um, couple of shout outs to our amazing partners. Uh, I know we have a lot of rather great partners and, and uh, we'll, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep the, uh, the, the, the posts, uh, you know, shorter, but shout outs to App Annie, Play Ventures, Iron Source. Uh, they've been really great in helping, helping us to grow. And um, without, without further ado, Ivan Trenchik. This podcast episode is brought to you by App Annie, the leading global provider of mobile market data. Now, personally, when it comes to exploring the market and creating a winning mobile strategy, I do it all with App Annie. Track the top charts, rank history, get download and revenue estimates. AppAnnie also helps me to understand detailed usage of detailed usage data of my competitors' game, and that's actually really helpful. And if you're in the marketing side, AppAnnie is there for you as well. It helps you to understand what it is you need to do to increase your discoverability and how you should improve your advertising strategies. Now, combined with unparalleled service and support, there's really no reason why you shouldn't be using AppAnnie. So go to appannie.com and sign up and tell them hi from your friends at Deconstructor of Fun. This podcast episode is also brought to you by IronSource. Now, IronSource is one of the biggest platforms helping game developers to monetize and market their games today. And they work with some of the world's most successful game developers. Just look at any of the games you have on your phone, and chances are they're working with IronSource. Now, what makes IronSource unique is the way that their platform closes the monetization and marketing loop so that developers can optimize both sides to accelerate the growth of their games. And hey, if, if you like Deconstructor Fun Podcast, you'll love Iron Source Level Up Podcast. And no, it's not because yours truly and the good old Joseph Kim have co-hosted some of the, uh, the Level Up Podcast episodes. <laughs> not at all. It's because the Level Up Podcast features game industry leaders talking about everything related to game growth and development. So, if you're interested in hearing from successful hyper-casual game developers, or really any successful game developers for that matter, you can check out the podcast on Apple, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundLink, or the Iron Source website. You'll find the link to the Level Up podcast in the description of this episode. So, get you some Iron Source. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. Your hosts today are myself, Joe Kim, and Mishka Katkoff. Today, we continue our mobile game publisher series with Superscale, and we are joined by Superscale CEO, Ivan Tranzik. <laughs> <laughs> Did I pronounce your name correctly? 
Yeah, more or less. <laughs> good, good enough. <laughs> so good for American. <laughs> Perfect. So let's Perfect. first start by talking about you, Yvonne. Who are you, and can you talk about your background? Uh, yeah, so um, my background is, as expected, nerdy. Uh, so I studied, uh, I like, theoretical computer science uh, as a, the students, and of course, uh, played a lot of games. Uh, but uh, uh, but I was I, I was I was kind of lucky to be very early in the in the whole mobile industry. Like essentially, when first time the App Store came out, uh, even as a students, we're playing around, we're playing around like uh, doing apps, doing some games. Uh, as you remember, my very good friend came to me with a with an article magazine that that uh, farting up made one million in first <laughs> week, and he was like, "Ivan, have you seen this?" Like this is ridiculous, you know. Like, what, what is this? Like, we're we're so much better programmers than these are, you know. We should be able to like, earn like ten times more like that. So, <laughs> so it was literally like 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 it began. Uh, I think that the whole launch of 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 Apple App Store on the on the iPhones that wasn't even kind of wasn't kind of thought about first when when iPhone launched, but then became. Uh, it came like I think I think opened opened even me as a, as a student back then like a lot of possibilities that that wow that you know anyone can do uh, anyone can do an app wherever even wherever in, in Slovakia uh, you know upload it uh, and suddenly it's available for you know at the time like tens of millions right now it's billions uh, people around the world so I think that was that was first first time when I kind of realized that this is a whole different story than. Uh, compared to almost anything I could think of, so uh, so so yeah, I think this was just uh, one of the uh, the most exciting thing I think I ha actually happened in uh, in the last whatever, 10, 20 years. So uh, so yeah, uh, was playing playing with that. Uh, then uh, I actually got a got a great uh, great chance to to start uh, an analytics company. Actually, right uh, right around I, when I finished my school. Uh, essentially, one of uh, I got uh, I got in touch with a guy who was was uh, literally taught me everything I knew about business analytics. Uh, Yojo, he was uh, like head of business analytics at IBM uh, for a long time, uh, and he was doing all these projects, uh, you know, for all the big banks, telcos, and insurance company uh, around Europe uh, to figure out, you know, uh, how can they improve. Uh, uh, their services and uh, their their business just by catering to needs of different types types of customers they were handling, and he was also had an idea that hey you know right now the 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 of course IBM is a dinosaur uh, right now we have available cloud technologies scalable uh, from the get go how about you know taking these uh, this knowledge how how these tier one companies uh, are are analyzing this stuff and how about bringing to other industries uh, so so this is, was the original idea how it started and uh and yeah uh, it started essentially us uh taking those learnings and implementing it into a into a platform just now called exponia um that uh, you know we were trying to help retail companies banks uh e-commerce uh, to to essentially transfer the know-how how to segment uh, your users, customers, and how to properly give them what they actually need at price points they are comfortable to buy. So this is like a like an origin of of the things. It's started essentially almost eight years ago, uh, and yeah, and we got got a couple couple like pretty nice growth. Uh, actually, right 
now the company is pretty sizable, around 300 million valuation, like handling many many great companies out there. Uh, but what was for me again like a like a like a tremendous learning was when we started working with our first gaming uh, client. So uh, at the time, uh, Pixel Federation was actually fast-growing uh, Slovakian game company. Uh, uh, they were they were doing Facebook games, and and they also essentially came to me that hey, you know, uh, we have uh, you know we have ton of players around the world, and you know we are uh, we visited all these uh, you know Silicon Valley companies. Uh, look at how they how they analyze it. So we're wondering <laughs> we should do the same, and uh, and uh, immediately when we just look at how how they were operated, uh, you know they have uh, uh, I think it, around that time they're just like 60 people, but over 40 million uh, uh, lifetime players, which compared to even like bigger banks we're talking about, they have just a couple million customers and these like essentially uh, medium-sized small Slovakian or, or small Slovakian gaming company had like 40 million. It's like, are you kidding me? Uh, so, so, so this is also what kind of struck me as a, it's a completely different story doing analytics for, for, for other, for other stories, other industries and to games. Games are global, uh, games are digital. You know, of course you can, you can try and understand much better uh, what are their players doing then for example you know in the retail where you need to rely just on just on purchase events essentially uh so uh so again we did uh, we did a project with them it went very well essentially one <laughs> the first gaming conference i i go to was gdc uh for this was out of 2014 uh <laughs> when we were presenting how to actually segment your players uh, for its time at Diggy's adventure uh, one of the still the most successful game at pixel Federation. And uh, then I kind of realized, okay, this is this is what I see the future. This is what I want to do. Uh, so uh, so I exited Exponia uh, all like more than three and a half years ago. Uh, take a look at the map uh, where actually gaming companies <laughs> located. Of course, uh, in Europe, strike me immediately. It's Nordics. Uh, you know, Finland took, uh, was climbing to three billion revenue. Sweden almost two billion. I uh, know, uh, and altogether just 15 million people between Sweden and Finland. So, so I was like, uh, you know, actually, it will be quite hard not to meet uh, successful <laughs> game developers out there. So, uh, so, so this is essentially how I started. Uh, One-way ticket uh, to Sweden, and in my living room, uh, writing emails uh, to CEOs I found uh, around for my personal email. That hey guys. I, I think I can help you uh, to grow your business uh, with data. And and as funny as it sounds when I look at uh, look at it back then, uh, it's uh, I think it was one proof that uh, that actually uh, the statue replying that hey actually yes this is what we think that we could do better. Uh, so you know let's 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 go and talk. Oh great, uh, yeah that's that's really interesting how you kind of started in in that way very very organically and the fact that you were, you're able to just kind of. You were so kind of free that you could just pick anywhere on the globe to kind of go to. But I want to now just talk a little bit about Superscale and the, the business of Superscale. I know you guys don't like to call yourselves a mobile game publisher. And so let's dig into that. Could you mm -hmm. talk about what does Superscale do and why don't you call yourselves a mobile games publisher? Yeah, sure. Uh, so... Uh, so of course I would start with then like uh, definition of a publisher. What is actually a publisher? I, I'm sure that uh, different people have different opinions 
things about that how I kind of how I kind of draw the line is that I perceive a publisher uh, someone who has its own a mobile game publisher that is has own app store account where he's essentially transferring game uh, and growing it under essentially his brand or his account. So this is what I would this is where I would kind of draw the line for myself. Uh, and and this is uh, this is like one of the things that we we do not do and we will never do. We do not have our app store account uh, on purpose. Uh, so because okay, my, my belief is is that we want to actually help developers to grow their brands, you know, their account, their business. It's it's not for us to actually just take it over and grow it ourselves. Uh, also, it kind of stems that you know who we actually are. I consider myself a business analyst first. Uh, so, uh, so for me, uh, it's it's what interests me. It's an actual, uh, it's it's actually some uplift or help delivered uh, based on data. Of course, through some actions. So whether we are able to improve the baseline monetization uh, or uh, you know uh, scale the game with UA profitably. Uh, but again, it's I do not consider myself a game developer uh, or a game publisher. I consider myself who can actually help uh, talented game developers and publishers uh, to grow their uh, games portfolio. Okay, and then so how do you describe yourselves as a growth partner or as a white label publisher or what? How should what, what should we be calling you guys? Uh, so uh, so yeah, of course we need to kind of explain a bit that what we do because uh, we're the feedback we're getting that we're again quite unique in a sense uh, that that we're not 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 don't really fit those boxes of developers and publishers that traditionally were there or even like service providers. Uh, I the best the best definition I, I could I could come up with was a growth partner. So essentially we we try to very much align uh, you know our incentives uh, our KPIs. Uh, uh, with uh, with uh, our partner, uh, developer, and essentially share a fair share of success or even failure when when it goes right or wrong. Uh, so, uh, like at some point, we uh, we uh, kind of explain ourselves as a white label publisher, but in a sense that we do uh, we do stuff that traditional publishers pitch, but you know we do not do it under our account; we do it under yours. Uh, so, so yeah, growth partnerships. This is what we are all about. Uh, and uh, to maybe dig a bit deep, deeper into that. Uh, so, I believe, and what I found out, that uh, that uh, uh, the game, uh, essentially any game, but of course, uh, we need to have a game first of all, which is scalable, uh, is able to grow, and we've seen it multiple times, truly exponentially. Um, and and how and I was kind of fascinated in a way that you know how 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 does it happen? What you need to do? And at the end, it boils down to to multiple multiple things. Uh, realizing you know what's the what's kind of what's the strength uh, of a game or product? What are the business opportunities of scale and how to leverage them? Um, like for for me uh, as an analyst, I, I try to look at it very holistically. Uh, so so yeah, we have a game. It has certain set of KPIs. Uh, it has a certain uh, level of CPI, a certain level of spent profitability. It has a business model split between in-apps, uh, ads, and subscription. Uh, let's try to look at each of those individual things and think about uh, if we are able to grow it, uh, or if this if we are underperforming but we are able to fix it, or prove that we are not actually able to improve it much, and quantify you know how much 
how much we are talking about. So, so to put it very easily, uh, we we try to look at games uh, from the from the kind of scalability perspective. Your game is earning this much. It has these parameters, and based on based on our uh, the way how we analyze the game, how we compare it either you know with our portfolio or you know with the market out, out there, and the set of tests we run as well, we are able to determine you know kind of scalability of the game. Which you know results can be that hey guys you know we think you should be earning two three four five times as much as you are doing now, and and why? Because you know your ad performance is uh, very much lower than what you should be at this level uh, of the AU of placement and engagement because uh, your you know uh, special offer performance is again uh, very low compared to what, what you should be getting for your kind of game. And of course, your real spend is uh, whatever much lower than we think it's possible to do. And then we propose essentially growth partnerships, which consists of a, this kind of a scalability plan, where, where where we also try to prioritize as much as possible. So you know, what is how can we bring the biggest possible uplift in shortest amount of time and resources invested? So sometimes it is UA. You know, the game is already good. You know, we've seen. Uh, it's a good performance. It's scalable. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, there is not enough spend. Of course, you don't have to have necessarily UI expertise or your creative pipeline is not up to par or you're looking for some sort of funding. Uh, so sometimes we start with UA. Sometimes we see that, you know, actually we should start with a monetization optimization. Uh, so uh, so this is essentially wh- how we operate. Um, and. And why? And also, I would kind of double down on the partnership part. We are uh, we are not like transaction-based uh, company. Like we we had a we have essentially we're looking for a very multi-year partnerships relationship uh, with our partners. Essentially, we have uh, I would say like what I'm most proud of as a business analyst, as an entrepreneur, <laughs> that of course the, the same as games, the same as an industry, retention is the most important. Right now, we have 100% retention of our key uh, partners that we that we work on. We work with uh, Hill Climbers and uh, Fingersoft team over three years. You know, Frogmind uh, two and a half years since started. Uh, Boombit two years. Uh, so so when we and we, it's not like we are just on, on some level. All of these partnerships are growing all the time as the companies are growing, uh, as we are figuring out more ways how to help how to empower developer to be more successful. Got it. And just so I understand better in terms of mm-hmm. your business, let me try to okay. kind of recap what I heard in terms yeah. of the value that you guys bring developers. So the first part is the user acquisition side, uh, the growth side. And, and I think that you guys have some capabilities and skills there. But the other thing I heard was you've developed this, the, these capabilities going even back further in your career in, in terms of segmentation, probably like targeting, you talked about offices, probably sales and merchandising against that segmentation. And then third, you look at monetization. It seems like you guys uh, try to break out a game in terms of monetization contribution, like different sources of monetization. You look at each area and try to figure where you can scale up the monetization based on the different sources of contribution. Is that a fair characterization of kind of like the three main areas of SuperScale? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much yes. I would I would even define it again a bit more more holistically in a sense that uh, that even though we began as a true like business analytics company, try to yeah. figure out where is the opportunity and you know uh, try to realize and prioritize and stuff. 
uh, later, you know, I or any analyst out there is struggling with the curse of an analyst. <laughs> you can be the best analyst out there. You can can make this perfect presentation when you say like, guys, do this one one simple thing, and you know your revenue will skyrocket. You know, just just do it, and you know everyone is happy. You know, they shake your hands, thank you. That's a great presentation, and then nothing happens for <laughs> for whatever reasons. Uh, so so this is why I essentially I build a company that we have always the uh, kind of the, the analytics baseline on everything we do, so we are able to correctly prioritize and quantify what we're going to do. But then on top of that, we started building uh, delivery or execution teams. So on yes. top of so us uh, telling you that you know your your uh, in-app purchase monetization should be much better uh, based on your numbers here, we have a you know our, our special offers should perform much better. We have a special offer optimization team. Uh, on top of you know our ads, we have ad ops team. Uh, so you know we are able to optimize it very much hands-on on your behalf. Uh, you know, without you essentially having a headache, you know, figuring it out or try to find some other partner. Uh, similar with UI, you know, we're, we think that, hey, uh, this is this is what I think where you should be, we're able to handle all of it. So so, so for us, it's it's very much, and, you know, we are actually, come, um, what I love about it, we are coming up with new and new different ways that are adding uh, all the time. So so we actually, we founded a distribution uh, team that are help, help, helping you to, Again, tap uh, a tap into some some other revenue potentials you weren't even thinking of. Like for example, uh, how to monetize on subscription-based store in third, uh, in, in like tier four, tier three, tier four countries that you are not earning any money out of that. So right. the team actually takes your APK, do the all the distribution for you. You don't even have to think about it. You just start earning more. Got it. And then let's go back and talk a little bit in more detail about how you started. And, and just to provide some of the audience more sure. context, I first came across you guys during GDC earlier this year, where I was just meeting a bunch of people. And it's like, you know, I was I would ask people, what's in what's the most interesting company at GDC this year? And you know, I kept hearing your name. Huh? Introduce me to these guys. And and you know, we we did a video interview on my YouTube channel for that, but I wanted to talk, you know, going back to your story, you yeah. identified the Nordics as a key area where there's a lot of game companies. You yeah. kind of flew over, you started cold emailing people. And then can you take us from there to the point where you guys were able to like have this strong brand name and you're able to close these customers? Uh, could you fill us in a little bit more about how you got from cold emailing to like everyone's talking about you guys during GDC? Uh, yeah, sure. That's also a pretty funny story. So, uh, so I what I what I kind of want to avoid uh, based on my previous experience, you know, to over investing into into PR, marketing, and outbound sales uh, very early on before you know before you even reach like product market fit or you know uh, get get into the community in the first place. So, so I I, I opted for for the opposite strategy. Going for essentially inbound. So of course, uh, except for uh, you know essentially cold emailing for some companies that in the end I actually researched and figured out based on the available data they, they should be doing better, uh, which again uh, got 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 a good reply rate. Are the most important the most important channels for us is actually go to conference and show a really meaty uh, case study that hey this is exactly how we. Uh, how we uh, launch a game. This is, you know, how much we spend. This is, you know, how much we made. This is, you know, some learnings out of it. And 
and uh, and uh, similar with the monetization parts, we have one of the best feedbacks we have is exactly our case studies that uh, that you know you can actually you try to I always try to do it in a way that you learn something new uh, and you are you are able to to make use of it. So 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 this is what I wanted to to build our brand around that you know we are the, actually the experts uh, at what we do. That we are able to show it. We choose our partners in a way uh, that we are able to show it, which again was was a very good decision uh, in the first place to go uh, to, to to go with the companies that uh, actually wanted to also share what they learned. Because for me, it's not about you know uh, making someone uh, you know a little bit more money and you know never share it into the community. I think that the the, <laughs> the whole market is so big and so so growing fast that you know everyone. You know, this is what I love again. I think everyone can win uh, in mobile gaming uh, with, uh, with the right attitude. So, uh, so, so yeah. And this is essentially how I got to Finland. I, uh, as I, uh, as I, as I mentioned, I actually initially moved to Sweden uh, because actually I wanted to move to Finland based on the data. But uh, my uh, my girlfriend and my wife, uh, she got offer from Ubisoft uh, to head analytics there as well in, in, in Massive. So, <laughs> so she was like. Yeah, I know that you are in Finland, but no, how about Sweden? It doesn't sound that bad at all. Like, you know, like Yubi can take care of our, uh, you know, whatever, papers and relocations. Like, yeah, Sweden, yeah, I guess it's good enough. So, <laughs> at least I never visited the countries before. So, <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I ended up in Sweden, but in Finland, actually, I got that, uh, I got a, a based on kind of a first case studies uh, that we got showed in a conference in Berlin, actually. And again, I got a, got approached after that. Hey, we actually liked what you did, uh, you know, on the on the retention side uh, with this game. You know, uh, you know, want to come to Finland? We should talk. Uh, actually, fun enough, it was uh, uh, the the first Finnish company we started working on, Housemark, which is actually a PC console developer. But they were, they had in production essentially what's supposed to be free to play game. So looking for someone to do something uh, with them. Uh, we did like a pilot project, and again, something that it's to this date the biggest source of of uh, inbound uh, leads uh, together with the conferences is the word of mouth. So essentially, we did a pilot project with them. Uh, they were super super happy, and also kind of in a unique way how Finnish gaming uh, culture works, which which I think it's it's actually the best in the world. Uh, it's uh, like when when somebody finds something that uh, that's good or so it's, they're happy to share uh, between themselves the learnings and also the partnership. So uh, we got uh, we got introduced based on then uh, very early on to Fingersoft right after that, which again was uh, kind of the let's say the lucky break you also need when you're entrepreneur. Uh, so uh, so just like a half a year after funding it in Nordics, uh, uh, working on a, on a small project with Housemark, we got to we got to talks with Fingersoft when they are already for a couple of years. Uh, uh, building on top of their success of Hill Climb Racing One, uh, their flagship, uh, essentially sequel uh, at the time, uh, it, it was called even Awesome Racing. It wasn't even Hill Climb Racing Two, so we were very early on uh, in the process as well. And of course, they were looking for someone to help them on the data side because, again, uh, it's 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 something that it's uh, it's it's pretty rare on a on a uh, on a job field uh, how to find a good a good business analyst so uh, so so they're like hey you know we heard that you that you specialize in games uh, you, you do this stuff we have a game that we are very much invested in we want to make sure that it is as successful as possible uh, so uh, so we start working uh, with Fingersoft 
we did the whole uh, Evos Grand Prix soft launch. So it was like a playable. We did help them with the whole soft launch, improving KPIs as much as possible, setting the infrastructure to handle their numbers. Uh, expected, uh, we did the global launch with them. And uh, yeah, the whole fundraising too in December uh, 2016, it was not only number one game, but actually number one app uh, worldwide ahead of Facebooks and uh, <laughs> Snapchats and, and all of those. Uh, so, and, uh, and yeah, it kind of put us on the map, even though we were never in the whatever splash screen or in the account, it was just essentially fingers of guys uh, that got congratulated. There was like, yeah, yeah, we got a great help uh, from Ivan. Uh, so, so you know, uh, you know, go, go, go talk to him if you need something. Uh, and this essentially unlocked uh, the whole the whole region for us. Right. So, it sounds like a lot of the traction you guys got in terms of customer base was largely word of mouth. But going back to getting that initial traction, it sounds like the strategy that you took was instead of saying hey guys, here's my product, figure out how you guys can use my product and doing a lot of marketing and PR. What you did instead was to look at specific companies, try to find the ones that you could help the most and offer a customized, hey, we think that these are problems with your product and here's how we can help. That got you your initial customers. That led to then the word of mouth, which was able to get you guys more and more traction. Is that a fair characterization? Uh, it's, it's, it's exactly like that. I, awesome. I believe, uh, of course, there are many Different entrepreneurs have different way uh, how they want to do it, but uh, also this is this is what I like kind of very much enjoy uh, doing. That uh, you know, not me trying to push something on you, and you know, just trying to convince you this is definitely what you need to do, but but actually uh, having able to figure out together, uh, you know, what's the what's the best way forward uh, and how to how to reach that goal. I think this is the this is the most important. Great. And one other question before I hand over to Mishka, but can you also talk about, so there's this, seems like some kind of relationship with Boombit, whether, whether it's financial or otherwise, can you characterize or talk about how the two companies are related and how you work together? Mm, yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, essentially Boombit uh, approached us as well uh, through word of mouth. Actually, I still remember a call from Ken from Future Play that, that hey, you know, uh, there's these guys, uh, like fast-growing Polish company, uh, Boombit, they're they're looking for someone uh, to help them on you know on UI analytics, uh, and you know will, would it be okay uh, for me to introduce you? <laughs> I was like, welcome, <laughs> no problem at all. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, we got again introduced through the Finnish, uh, through the kind of a Finnish uh, ecosystem as well, even though it was a Polish company. And, uh, they, uh, and uh, we begin as a, as a kind of a normal uh, growth partnerships, as, as, as uh, we have multiple of those. Uh, but what was interesting uh, with Boombit that uh, like we started with a couple of games uh, that we helped to improve the launch, uh, and then they gradually give us more and more as they have a big internal pipeline and also uh, their own publishing uh, arm. Uh, so so we're starting handling more and more, and then essentially. I got a <laughs> I got a pretty pretty good call uh, from uh, from uh, CEOs actually there there are two of those <laughs> uh, uh, Ogumbi that hey, actually we we very very much like that what you do uh, you know with our games and and very much appreciate it uh, but actually we think that you could even improve further uh, you know your offering and business model um, 
And uh, and the reason was that at that time, uh, what we were doing, we were uh, if we are doing UA uh, or, or some other stuff, we are spending our partners' money uh, on their accounts. Where we weren't funding UA or anything like that. They're like, you know, well, you know, you know what you're doing. You're you're getting in touch with, uh, with many developers and publishers. Uh, you know, we have access uh, to uh, to essentially scaling capital that you know you can invest as you see fit, whether the credit lines on the UA channels or, you know, some cheap access to liquidity. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we can essentially enable this for you, of course, at your discretion. Uh, so, uh, which, which again, uh, made very, very much sense for it. Uh, essentially, we formed a joint venture where still I retained the whole control, very independent company, uh, where essentially I get access to uh, capital provided by Boomer Capital Group. Uh, but uh, that's about it. Uh, it's it's we're we're of course I want it to grow. Uh, well, I actually we have we have couple of a uh, couple of offers, uh, M and A offers to actually get bought by a big uh, like uh, like bigger uh, publishing or game dev company. But this is what I was strictly against because I didn't want to become just a kind of a glorified uh, in-house analytics or, or UA or research department. I think I can help. Many more, uh, many more game developers and publishers out there as an independent business. <clears throat> uh, but at, at the same time, it it makes sense for us to help also the developers who are uh, not able or uh, not not willing to uh, to fund their uh, UA. Uh, and essentially, this is this was the this is the primary reason uh, why we did it. And I would say so far, it's it's, it's working great. Cool. Let's yeah, um, so that was a that was a really good breakdown, kind of not breakdown, but just a story of like where you guys started and what's your value proposition, how that transformed. So I'd like us to move to kind of like a next part where we talk about more of like mobile publishing and what it is today. And I know you don't call yourself publisher, but a lot of developers from the side really do think of you as a publisher, even though that that word has different <laughs> depending on who makes the uh, who makes the call, but. When we talk about mobile publishing, um, the kind of a, like a key narrative has been that it doesn't work and it hasn't worked for EA. It hasn't worked for Activision. It hasn't worked for Zynga. It hasn't worked for Rovio. Uh, it hasn't worked for multiple different companies that have set up their own publishing entities, even though they knew how to make games, they had many successful games, they weren't able to help other developers to grow their games. So when you look kind of at the history of relatively short history of mobile publishing mm -hmm. and like, like how, how were you, how were you able to come up with your value proposition and, and why do you think others like some of these big players weren't able to figure it out? Um, so uh, like, first of all, uh, I would, I would kind of go even, even let's say, let's say deeper or higher <laughs> uh, than that. Uh, like maybe, Maybe in a bit philosophical uh, terms, that you know, uh, like business, how to how to actually build uh, build uh, build a business that lasts. Uh, you know, uh, as I said, like uh, again, as new business in games, in B two B, in service companies, and in publishing as well. And then it's, uh, in my opinion, retention, retention with your clients, with your partners, uh, with the with the studios that you're you're publishing the game, and and uh, for me, the the in B two B. Uh, I mean, B2B business where we are right now, it's, it's, uh, I, I do believe there is only one true retention driver and it is 
together will be more successful than separately. So when we can prove it, you know, we know that you'll work together. Uh, otherwise, you know, you will just, let's say, shooting yourself in a foot. Like, why would you, why would you do that? Why would you cut your extra uh, income stream for someone? And, and this is something, something that, in my opinion, that the traditional publishing uh, failed to uh, fail to grasp in their like traditional whatever 50 50 70 30 uh, blank a ref share model uh, because uh, <clears throat> because uh, at the end uh, I think the game the uh, game developers realized after having like their one game published that hey you know uh, as, uh, as we talk about uh, as we talk about before about like exploitation publishing deals I think that was very much a bit you maybe tricked me once on one game where I saw that it made a lot of money, but essentially after all the uh, all the costs detected, all the rep shares, all the everything uh, came down to me actually barely surviving or earning just enough to, to make something more. So why should I go through this again? I you know I, I don't believe it. So and this is this is uh, this is what we heard also um, many. I think each of us <laughs> heard many of those stories. So uh, so. Uh, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that there are no examples that it worked and worked well for both sides. And they're they're satisfied and going on and on. But more uh, more times uh, than less, in my opinion, there wasn't truly clarification of this uh, after this one game publish or extended period, which also many publishers opted to do. That actually, let's not just do a publishing deal for one game. Let's do uh, let's do for three games or for five games or you know for the whole IP franchise or you know for not one year, but two years, three years, seven years. Uh, so, uh, and this this literally became uh, as, a, as a kind of a game that how can I lock down someone <laughs> long enough uh, so I can extract as much value because because I'm kind of afraid that uh, that when he kind of figures out that you know uh, does look at our first game he would run if there wasn't a contractual obligation to do so. Uh, so, so I think this this is this is something that uh, that that most of the publishers kind of didn't improve after the first the deals expired after the the, the periods uh, expired essentially they have uh, they have just no more partners to look for the in-game industry is too small if you uh, if you do not do a good job for someone uh, pretty damn sure mo- most of everyone else will know pretty soon uh, so uh, so so I think this is this is all the like the, the core of the problem uh, I understand um, so, so what, what, how, what have been sort of like the, uh, the key challenges giving that, that most of us understand this, this difficult relationship between developers and publishers that have been before, you know, who, who gets the, the final value as well as it, it just, it's just a, it's a difficulty even with the basic math. Like, as you said, if there's a revenue share component somewhere, then you have to add the, uh, the user acquisition component there. And then you end up in a situation where the developer doesn't have that much money, so they contact the uh, the, the publisher, and the publisher sees that there's value, but they need to invest, and then that investment kind of like everything that comes goes also into the um, the growth investment, and the developer is not seeing return, and then they feel like, well, this doesn't make any sense. We're charting, yet we're not seeing anything return, and we're barely scraping by because we need money now, not in six months, not in twelve months. And then, you know, then the deal starts turning sour. And at the same time, the game is live. They need to do live operations, but they're not interested in doing the live operations because they're not getting paid. So they start investing into another game that is in their pipeline. 
and it just turns into like that's that's a bad situation of publishing and that's kind of you know certain elements that i've seen happening but what have been sort of a you know kind of like the, the key challenges you've seen in in communicating the value statement of superscale so how we try to tackle this like like um in my opinion uh, it boils down to actually making sure that uh it's not that we're we're not you know kind of cutting into the baseline there's you know nothing nefarious in the contract or anything like to be honest, our, our contracts are are very simple. Uh, they have they have a notice periods which are very short, and that's about it. And and still, uh, actually, uh, as I started, I didn't have any contracts for like first two and a half years. So essentially, the deal was like, hey, uh, if you if you pay my invoice, uh, I will work with you <laughs> the next month. <laughs> if you want, I will work with you. So, uh, so this is kind of the the proof that uh, you know we are doing something that uh, you know our partners consider you know a net profitable thing with us. Uh, so so we, we try to break it down as much as possible. Uh, so if we're uh, so if we're doing you know analytics or analytics infrastructure, this is exactly you know how much uh, how much is cost on that part. Uh, if we're doing uh, you know UA for example we uh, like in my opinion like I would uh, like me as a business analyst, me myself I would never hire an agency who you know as business model is budget spent. It's like for me it was to be honest like quite surprising how come that this business model actually existed ever? Uh, because the incentive of an agency is to spend as much as your money as possible, <laughs> because this is how they maximize their fee, and your incentive is to get some return from it. So it's, it doesn't really make uh, any kind of sense. So, for example, with UA, we, 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 you know, we can uh, very simple. We get percentage of profit, profitable spent. Whether we invest our money or your own money, the, the difference is just a just a fee on top of it. But but you know, we, if we do if we do bad spend that doesn't turn profit, we do not really deserve any kind of upside from that. Uh, the same goes with the monetization optimization. Again, uh, I, I think our, our kind of a or I would I would I'd like to believe that our kind of a secret power is that actually being business. Analyst first, not a marketing company, not a uh, no consulting company, but business analysts. We're like it's our job to prove to you <laughs> that something makes makes business sense or not. Uh, so with the monetization, we also structure the stuff in a sense that we uh, we very much go into pretty much detail that you know how can we measure the change in the game we proposed or we delivered against your baseline game. Of course, we create a control groups, we run uh, we run a proper A/B test. We see how it goes, and we, you know, we measure uh, the uplift, uh, you know, and again, all the all the old school tricks of publishers. Uh, we've seen that, yeah, like you know, let's let's do a gross revenue, let's do gross here, gross there. No, you know, how to properly compute the actual money you are expecting to get on your account uh, from that, and take our fair portion out of it. Uh, so, so again, I, I I think that this was this was this was the reason why why I think it's. It's it's very much it's so much more transparent in a way. Uh, everything that we do can be attributed to some action that we've done, measured, uh, invoiced that, and you know both parties both parties agree that yes, this is actually a fair uh, fair quantification of what we've done. This is the fair share, and uh, for us, uh, you know, it's 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 not about fees, uh, not about budgets. It's like actually you should be <laughs> you should be aiming. To transfer as much money to us as possible because it means that you earned multiples on that uh, from that 
so so I so, so this is what I this is what I was was working uh, very hard to achieve uh, with Superscale. Mm. So so your deals are very very transparent, very simple, very very easy. Um, I'm curious in in how do you spot the partners who you work with? I mean, you talked about your history of like well, just looking at the map, where are the best developers coming from, and then just going there. But now that you you have multiple locations, you've scaled up, you've super scaled, uh, you're working with various developers around the world. How is it that you spot the partners, and like how do you know that this is the game, and this is the you know this is the game that we can uplift, and this is the partner who we want to create this multi-year partnership that you were talking about. Uh, the, the, that's a very good question. Uh, so, uh, so we have we have a couple of ways how to do it. Uh, first of all, maybe I will begin what we what we're definitely not. I personally didn't want to do it, and and what we're not doing is exactly going to and upper, <laughs> and what we've seen that like traditional publishers like used to do like have the sales force going to every conference, set up whatever twelve meetings a day, and and try to look for this one indie developer that has something of a value and just you know close him uh so so for us it was it was pretty much the other way around like we have uh, as i said we have a great inbound uh from word of mouth so essentially our, our sales works uh most of it just comes from kind of a try to assess from the inbound traffic which of these uh games and partners are good fit for us uh because yeah again it's it's also for us it's not a numbers game we're 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 not looking for for hundreds or, or even dozens of, of different partners like we have we're considering uh, even on our size so we have over 65 uh, people right now we're looking for essentially uh, 10 to 15 uh, partners uh, that we work with and slowly growing as you know we feel we feel fit uh, this enables us to uh, this enables us to exactly deliver the best possible uplift service uh, for a long time because not we have not just you know, one poor uh, analyst that works on 10 titles at the same time, so cannot do a good job on anyone. We have actually multiple people on one project for that. And and to, to make sure that we <laughs> that we do it, of course, we we do like what we call, first of all, like scalability audit. Uh, at the end, we need to we need to have a have a product or a game that uh, has a potential to, to reach some meaningful sites. Like our rule of thumb is uh, top 500 grossing right now. Which uh, which uh, goes around like let's say one million per month uh, revenue, uh, and the important thing is uh, it's not like your game has to be in top 500. The important part is we believe that there is a potential for the game to reach. Uh, we work with games in, in essentially all of the throughout the whole life cycle, uh, of course uh, differently on a game which is already out there and is looking for ways. Hey, can we can we do better? Uh, uh, or a game which is in soft launch, that hey, how big can be in global launch? Uh, but also a bit earlier, you know, has this has this concept uh, potential to be big, or is it too niche, or or stuff like that? So uh, so we we actually spent quite a quite a bit of time, what we call like scalability due diligence or scalability auditing uh, on the titles. And uh, after we feel that the that the game you know actually has a very good potential to be big, uh, then we essentially propose partnership and, and uh, try to work with that um, and uh, and very important part of that it's not just uh, just a game uh, even you may have you know a game which is a great uh, great kpis and and you know we, we think that it will be big 
but again, if the uh, if the team, uh, if the company behind that, uh, is, we do not think it's a it's a, it's a good partner because I don't know. Uh, typically, we 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 <laughs> we we kind of do not like to work uh, with developers who know it already all and you know want us to to do this one specific thing. Uh, and for that, because uh, because you know this this is not really who we are. We think that we can we can uh, together actually come up with something great. Uh, so not just us asking to do th this thing would work. Uh, so again, uh, after after we actually have a product that which is scalable, we try to uh, visit team actually very much talk with the team to to figure out uh, you know is there is there a way what's the agility of the of the team uh, because at the end. Uh, of course, uh, every game is running against the clock. After after the global launch, uh, your game starts maturing. Uh, if you do anything, you know there are some other titles that they're pushing you, uh, you know, competing against you. Uh, your your CPI is going up as you kind of uh, devoured or attracted the, the core audience. So actually, the the key to a true scalable game is not just having a good good prototype to go for, but actually have a have a good machine, how to do a proper live ops, how to do a frequent updates, how to listen to the community, how to listen to the data uh, uh, to make it work. So so all this, so it's it's not a, uh, to be honest, it's not a simple challenge or simple thing, uh, but again, it opened us a lot of opportunities. We actually, we based on that, we actually got to ask by people who have a similar problems, like VCs, like publishers themselves that, hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about this game or this team, you know, you know, what do you think about it? Can you can you take a look at them? Uh, so 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 we we turn this also into some kind of a service. Uh, is this a good or what's the scale of this uh, game uh, in our opinion? Mm. So you, so you mentioned a couple of times of of yeah. I mean a lot of times you mentioned potential. So I'm curious to understand in the sense that it it seems like are more. The way you the way you work is, you get you have a very healthy inbound traffic of different uh, different games and and developers, and you make the decision based on potential. And is this potential basically you see the potential based on some kind of due diligence, or you look at the developers' numbers, or, or how do you how do you estimate that there is potential? Because the inbound traffic must be pretty wild. Uh, so uh, actually, to, to go to, to real examples, uh, most of the most of the inbound we've got is for games which are in self-launch. Is is the biggest biggest source of traffic uh, or uh, biggest source of inbound uh, prospect? Uh, because also it's kind of understandable that developers, especially when they're uh, when they're working on a game for a long time and it's about to global launch, they want to actually make sure that you know it will go as good as possible and are very receptive uh, to for external help uh, as well. Uh, so, so with the game in soft launch, well, we're already in pretty good position uh, data-wise because this means that there's already uh, there's hopefully some data in. Uh, of course, uh, more 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 times than than not, uh, we we start with the data diligence. Actually, are these KPIs you are showing us uh, the true KPIs, or is it or is is there something that you know it's not really comparable or not not really true in the first place? So. Uh, we're starting with the data due diligence. We run a bunch of UA tests. Uh, we take a look at the uh, we, we definitely take a look at the games uh, numbers, uh, but we also look at uh, like what's how the market looks like in the category of games. Uh, you know what what we are looking at uh, if you'll be as good as this game. Uh, you know we, we play the games. Uh, we actually we we our 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 team 
of of uh, game analysts and, and uh, designers they, they they really play the game so and it's important that uh, that we can also compare the features which are out there uh, you know what's the underlying uh, monetization mechanics what kind of gacha is in uh, and we already can see you know is it a is the hard gacha is the token gacha it's there okay there's the, it's a very weak shallow gacha so so we can already estimate something that either needs to change or uh, the game won't be as good as enough and of course there's uh, there's great resources we have a we have a ton of fans of <laughs> dof uh, here in office uh, so uh, so we try to so so yeah this is this is this is what we do uh, we try to put together uh, all the uh, to give you available data of the game, what is the marketing condition out there, what are our assumptions on the underlying mechanics of that, uh, and you know essentially slap on that uh, you know something like a range that we think uh, okay this this will never be uh, even hundred thousand per month game uh, or okay that okay this could be uh, you know one million per month game that which we are eventually looking for. Uh, of course, it's it's not like uh, we we can print. Uh, with a crystal ball, what will there? But but we still think that the, the process is is pretty robust, uh, uh, considering just like oh, I like this game, you know, let, let's work together. Mm. So so it's fair to say that you mainly work with developers that have a game um, soft launch or launched, so uh, because yeah. data driven. Yeah. So uh, yeah, at, at the end, uh, primarily analysts. So we need at least some kind of data with uh, partners that you know we have. Uh, we we work um, we work either longer time or have some specific needs. Uh, so uh, so we yeah, have the even greenlighting internal projects. You know, like yeah, these are these are the concepts we are thinking of. You know, we just want to have a have a look that can this can this work or. You know, are there some like like hard hard signals that's involved? So, so this is about this is more of a you know like a, like one of deals uh, going through going through this. Most of the times, it's actually soft launch. Uh, we handle like soft launch from the beginning, the planning, retention, monetization, global launch, and scaling afterwards. Uh, this is also where we think that the most value can be done because uh, if the game is in soft launch, uh, it's usually uh, much easier to uh, to to change and improve uh, a more significant thing when a game which is already out there for a couple of years and the code base is all mm -hmm. uh, and it's actually hard to make uh, any change out of that. So for for these games, uh, of course we 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 work with them, uh, but we need to also choose like, hey, we have a great idea how to how to improve on the design side, but you know it will won't be actually possible to. To execute, so we need to think about how to how to optimize it without you know touching the game too much. Mm. So um, lastly, I want to talk a little bit about your organization. So you mentioned you have like about sixty-five people at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you help out with you know data infrastructure, engineering infrastructure, monetization, uh, game growth in terms of like different design, distribution, ad operation. Uh, so there's a lot of things you help out with. Uh, you have several remote offices, so and and the help that you provide is both on the side of of increasing the LTV, whether it's targeted offers or economy redesigns, or and as well as on the CPI side, where you decrease the CPIs so of various funnel conversions, improving the creatives, um, you know everything on on that side as well. So there's almost everything that you help out with. Now I'm I'm curious is how how are your teams organized when they're helping? Uh, 
these um, developers. Because going back to our previous discussions with with Javier from Scopely, with Samir from Tilting Point, in their cases, because they have uh, the lead or, or sort of a, like the, the main responsible person of a game success is actually on the publisher's side. Uh, how is that structured in your case? And they have like specific teams working on on specific games. Um, but but how is the structure on your side? Let's 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 give an example of one of my favorite games that you are currently super scaling is Trap Lights Battle Legion. Uh, I want to give a shout out to that game. That is one of the the most fun games currently in soft launch. Um, so let's talk about if you can use that as an example. Um, like how are, how is the team structured around that game? Uh, yeah, so again, I would I would say that it's pretty uh, it's pretty typical uh, from from the sense that uh, it was an inbound uh, it was an inbound lead uh, <laughs> it's a Finnish developer who knows our reputation there uh, has a great game uh, on hand uh, which is uh, which is actually quite early soft launch when we got to it uh, or even like semi pre soft launch I first first time I played it well, over a year ago actually um, and and it's definitely something. That sometimes you just see that you know this this games this game is good. They also they also seen it after the few numbers roll in. I think they were they were very happy about them. Uh, uh, but again, uh, it's a very early on game. Great uh, great retention numbers, uh, but early in the uh, early still kind of early in the soft launch phase. Uh, not really you know monetization mechanism. Not really uh, kind of a kind of an overall. Uh, overall kind of a scaling a scaling plan or global launch planning yet uh, and you know uh, we essentially came and of course some challenges already ahead so uh, you know the team itself uh, was running uh, UA and uh, and uh, you know some saw some great engagement and retention numbers from the traffic but on the other side kind of kind of was 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 worried uh, about uh, the CPI and so, like one of the questions was like, hey, isn't this the game too niche uh, to you know to, to go forward? Like we're seeing you know quite high CPIs even this early on. Uh, what to do with it? And uh, so so again, we essentially approach it that hey, you know, what's the current biggest priority? You know, uh, actually proving that the game has some some kind of a fit, some kind of audience in the first place. Otherwise, you know, we would just need need to make some drastic changes in that. Uh, so again, uh, we look at the so we uh, look at the game, uh, look at the data. We essentially structured uh, essentially plan about how to how to find a way how we can acquire uh, users and much better performance uh, and lower CPIs than uh, than uh, the team was trying uh, uh, up 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 until that point uh, to see you know if. If it can be done better, or you know, actually, we should think about hard about you know the scalability of the title because at the end, uh, in my opinion, uh, there's there's no true scalability without being able to scale it with a paid UA. Uh, even Google, uh, their first pitches was that uh, unless you do can a profitable uh, a paid marketing, you don't have a business model actually, which. I would say it's very closely for uh, what we're dealing with right now. Uh, we did the UA test. Uh, we 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 had a, we a very talented creative team who actually experimented with a bunch of ideas uh, that that turned out to be to work very well. So we decreased the CPIs uh, by uh, by uh, oh, more than seventy percent uh, in some cases, uh, which which again was was at levels uh, with compared with their base performance of the game. Which was a combination that actually helped Treplight to raise 
pretty significant round uh, with investors next time. So, so again, this is, this is something that kind of ties into the whole story that, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like we are trying to, uh, you know, sell them this thing. Okay. You need this, 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 but, uh, but Hey, you know, actually let's figure out if we can help you on this part. Thus it unlocks uh, possibilities to go forward. And uh, from that, we also build the relationship. So uh, based on the performance mm-hmm. there, we did another set of, there's the construction analysis uh, and regarding monetization. Uh, so essentially another worry was, okay, you know, uh, we have a great retention. We, we know that we can do uh, good, uh, we can have a good CPIs, uh, but what about monetization? There were some, their first mechanics are being put in place, uh, but, uh, but uh, the worry was like, will it be enough? You know, what we're looking at. So we actually went through, uh, our design team uh, went through the whole roadmap uh, for the monetization part uh, up until essentially the end of the year. And we were helping them to quantify, you know, if everything will, will go as expected on this, you know, the way how Gacha is designed, the way how mm-hmm. the content is added uh, and, you know, essentially Battle Pass uh, is designed, you know, what LTV are looking at roughly. And based on our analysis, we saw like, Yes, you know, we don't think that this could be nearly enough because, you know, uh, this the content burn is too high for this game. Uh, you know, uh, the paying user can uh, can do it too fast and so on. Uh, you know, uh, compare, you know, trying to compare it with the real examples of games that they did well, uh, did not well. Uh, so actually, our <laughs> our uh, lead lead designer uh, Remo, uh, he did this epic hundred and ten slides presentation that <laughs> that why this. Uh, won't work and you know how we can look at it uh, to fix it uh, so again this this is uh, what we presented and uh, you know the team like it and wanted us on board to help them to uh, make sure that the monetization will be designed in a way that will be scalable and will support uh, the you know the cpis uh, and the uh, and the ua needs uh, to scale uh, until they get so so again it's and this is usually like a story that as, as uh, we we found always try to find what is the priority, business priority uh, of a game, of a team, try to help with them, uh, you know, gain their trust, uh, found out that, hey, you know, the, the priority is right now this, uh, assign resources to go with them. Uh, so, and, you know, as the as the global launch approaches, you know, we're, we're able to put in uh, some uh, more robust uh, analytics infrastructure uh, with UI evaluation to be, to be sure that what's happening out there uh, and and you know uh, step by step we're helping them on all uh, on all these variety parts of the business model that for them it will be kind of hard to build in house uh, or or you know to do it otherwise so so yeah for, for us it's empowering the developer uh, for whatever he's missing at this point. So basically, to summarize it, you assign the team is very much assigned based on the need of the developer and. And that is, because the, they're paying for that team. So it's very modular. It's assigned to, to that specific team. And the team you're working with has the full control of what they take from you, what they don't take from you. And you're mainly just assisting them. Uh, you, you put it very right. It's essentially the, the, how, the how we structured. Uh, also, uh, maybe I touch a bit on the remote part, uh, like how why, why team, uh, or where we are actually right now and, and how we work together. I, I truly believe that I need to, I need to, Structure a company which is able to effectively work remotely, uh, because uh, because um, at the end uh, it's it's not like everyone can be at the same time in the same room. Uh, so uh, so far as it's also 
a way how to uh, how to you know I, I founded the company while I was in Sweden and in Finland uh, while we're offices in Bratislava and Prague and working with companies uh, you know around around the region as well and uh, and uh, the way how how we see uh, our growth partners like we're extension of their team uh, so so you know our design teams extension of the design team uh, from our partners. Uh, so, so they really, they really work on their behalf, try to solve their problems, and be also very hands-on, which was something that also we got a great or, or feedback, which I'm, I'm be proud of. That it's not like we're just giving some high-level ideas. That hey, guys, you should just make the gacha deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, have, have fun with it. But, but actually, you know, we are able to take your, you know, design spreadsheets or you know, economic spreadsheets, edit them send them over and propose an A-B test, how to prove that it helps or not. Uh, so this is something that, that, that is so much more added value than just, you know, like a like high level review or something like that, uh, that uh, enables this kind of relationship up there. Got it, got it, that, that, makes, that makes sense. Um, so that, <clears throat> sorry, so that's, that's about it uh, regarding how you guys function. And, and also, can you, can you kind of reiterate where are you located geographically? Because you started off from kind of from Sweden, right? <laughs> and then you have now offices almost everywhere. Uh, yeah, so, so, uh, so we, uh, so we're personally, or I'm personally present in London. Uh, so we have a voting there. Uh, we have uh, Helsinki, we have Berlin, we have have Prague, Bratislava, Warsaw, uh, then we have uh, essentially Las Vegas partner, and actually we're looking to establish something in APEC. Uh, so we'll see well, what we'll what we'll find out. But uh, but yeah, either Shanghai or Beijing uh, to uh, to to be there. So uh, so for us, it's it's not really a problem. Uh, we're looking also some presence in Russian-speaking countries. So we're looking at that uh, we we like to have someone who knows. Who knows essentially local environment uh, somebody respected uh, in a sense uh, so uh, so I, I I really do think that the, 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 the key to that is to be able to have a process that's an internal process that is able to handle remote work of course it's very talent oriented on us as well like we're uh, of course not not you're, you're not able even supercell is not able to to convince everyone to move to <laughs> to Helsinki they would they would love to, uh, so uh, so I'm uh, so I'm not uh, not doing anyway. Uh, for some, of course, for some roles, it's vital uh, to be locally, especially on the relationship side or partnership side. Uh, for some roles, it's it's preferably to be inside. So especially the delivery part, where you know our analysts can work with, uh, you know, uh, BI engineers and it's also so the, the the most of things in house, but 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 most of the roles can be to a great degree, uh, you know, anywhere in the world. Uh, with that, because at the end we want to work with uh, with companies around the world, uh, mm. so uh, so we have to uh, we have to kind of eat our own dog food uh, that <laughs> as well. All right, uh, J.K., you want to dive deep into how Superscale works with developers in detail? Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that, Ivan. So the way that I kind of see publishers, there's, there's kind of, in, in terms of the working relationships of publishers with developers, there's kind of two aspects I wanted to dig, dig into. First is, one, the level of integration that you have in terms of working with the developers. And secondly, is the decision-making framework in terms of who owns what sorts of calls. But let's talk about the first part. 
in, in, in terms of the level of integration, we see you know, kind of a broad spectrum. There are some publishers that will send a team and embed the team with the developer and others that just kind of send cash and, and tell the developer, let me know when, you, when you've made me a lot of money. So can you talk about your model? How integrated are you guys with the development studio? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, I would say the, the the relation the relationship is very deep. I would say we're we're very deep. Uh, I, I would consider yourself deeper than than most of the even publishing relationship out there, uh, because uh, because again we cannot really afford just to send money over uh, to to see what happens. Uh, as uh, again one of the differences we do not really fund development uh, at all. Uh, so what, what usually traditional publishers, if you will. Uh, do uh, we we essentially try to uh, try to pick something? As I said, the hard work in <laughs> in games is actually creating a fun, scalable game. It's incredibly hard, and and you know, I me as an analyst, I leave it to actually talented game developers who are able to do that. Needs there just to make it as big as possible. So for that part, we are uh, integrating in a sense of extension of the team and completely uh, and completely kind of. Not 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 forcing any SDKs, not forcing any particular, uh, you know, third party like books, services, or partnerships. We we try to work truly on the uh, with the tools uh, with the under accounts of our partner. Uh, so so there's not 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 really a, even like a, let's say SDK or kind of technical integration in place. Although we set up set up some stuff, uh, uh, especially on the infrastructure side. But again, it's on their behalf, so it's under their accounts. We are merely managing it for them. Um, and uh, for for the part, of course, sometimes uh, or let's say regularly in the deep partnerships, we did we do on-site visits or when some like crucial decision or or some big roadmap is need to be made, uh, we fly over to see what uh, to see what happens. But most of the time, we are very effective to work remotely on day-to-day basis like each 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 team uh, and again it's very much team oriented so we have a we have a relationship like with fingersoft we have that we have five people working on essentially dedicated to that you know one uh, one on the US side uh, uh, to three on the analytic side uh, and and you know they have uh, essentially their boss is uh, whatever the UA manager uh, or uh, head of UA and Fingersoft, or you know, their bosses, you know, someone who is handling, uh, handling the analytics over there. Uh, the ownership, I would say, it's uh, we we like to have, uh, we like to have some kind of business ownership in a sense that uh, that if there is something that we think that is our expertise to actually tell uh, to actually kind of tell you that hey guys, uh, this is the uh, hey hello Jeffrey. <laughs> Uh, uh, some kind of uh, business ownership in a sense that we are uh, we we want to point you to the right direction at any any given time. So we, when we think that you are focusing on something uh, that the game uh, that the game wouldn't push as far as if you would invest that energy into something else, uh, this is what we are kind of uh, let's say uh, let's say uh, loud about that. Hey guys, uh, we do not think that this is a good uh, you know, appropriation of our or your resources. Uh, so then, then we try to steer it to the right way. Uh, but again, it's it's something that that comes along with it, and it's the way how it's structured. It's um, it's a business first partnership. So in that sense, yes. Uh, but uh, on the on the execution level, 
extension of the team. Does that make sense? Uh, and then are, are you guys having, in terms of communication cadence, are you guys having daily meetings, kind of like weekly meetings? And uh, how do you typically and how often do you, do you communicate with the development team? Uh, so uh, we're big fans of shared Slack channels. Uh, which yeah. <laughs> which enable to join to <clears throat> Slack uh, work workstation without having uh, a need of dozens of different <laughs> Slack accounts. Uh, so yeah, we're we're very much very much Slack oriented. Uh, we have a shared channels uh, with our partners, even even on a, with with the different teams uh, have there. Uh, so uh, so that's about. So the communication is pretty much real time. Of course, there's uh, there's uh, in most of the times there are at least weekly things. Sometimes even biweekly, uh, depending again on the on the team on the game on stage, uh, but but the communication it's real much real time. We I I I do not want to we uh, you know one of the big advantage how I structure the company it's extremely flat and fat free. So we do not really have project managers. We do not have uh, anyone but actually specialists. Uh, even our team leads are uh, our team leads of the different teams. Uh, whether it's monetization design and so on there there are people that are you know uh, known uh, respected talks at the conferences and know what they are doing and uh, and not you know just let's say managers for managing sake uh, so uh, so we have pretty much real time one on one uh, when something you know on the technical side needs to be solved you know there's definitely no need to put anything in between them uh, so yeah as uh, similar as you would communicate with your own member of your team but it was based somewhere else and it sounded like when you were talking about like decision-making framework, it sounds like there are certain areas where you guys want to sort of own the call. But at the same time, it sounds like you do work collaboratively in the sense that you're trying to justify specific decisions. For example, when you know you, uh, folks on your side are creating 110-page slide decks. But is that is that how you guys work, where it's like you try to work collaboratively, but certain decisions you want to have a specific owner? Uh, of course, to be completely clear, we do not. Of course, we do not have like let's say hard power that we can. We have to tell you, like do this as we say or you're fired. Of course, that's it's, it's. We're not owners of uh, of the company. We're uh, even even with our deals, we do not really have any uh, let's say let's say hard power to do that. Uh, on the other side, uh, you know, with uh, when we think that you know there is some crucial decision regarding monetization design regarding the U.S. strategy or, or something else that could potentially, you know, uh, cost us uh, very much a uh, long time. Uh, then we, uh, you know, we try to spend quite a lot of time and explain that, uh, you know, why we think it's a bad idea. And and, and again, it's for us, it's it's not that we, it comes back to, to our, like, primarily uh, specialization, like, it's, it goes down to business analytics, like, if there's something that's that I don't think it's a good idea, I supposed to have a quite a good reasoning behind that why it is not a good idea uh, based on data or based on something. So, uh, so, so, so again, it's it's more it, it's always of course it's always collaborative. It's always for us, you know, preparing and having a good arguments why we think we should go this way and not the other. And and or uh, you know what we're what we're doing guess where, where there is of course there are some decisions there is no way to know or something but at the same time you can limit the impact you know by telling us hey guys we can do this change put it in the separate branch let's run an A/B test you know we're looking at these metrics your hypothesis is that these metrics will go up our hypothesis is they will go down you know let's resolve it in a in a, in a test test goes down okay 
you were right, you were on court, or whatever. We were on human rights uh, uh, forward. So, so uh, because many times we, we've seen actually uh, a couple times, not fortunately, not that many times, but a couple times we've seen, uh, we've seen like especially it was, there's a big rework on a game going on that you know team definitely thinks that this will be something that will enable the the hockeystick scale and touches too many parts of the game even with a good in, good intention but we always see that it's very could be very risky very unintuitive when your own uh, player base turns against you uh, for whatever reason so so we try to also kind of mitigate that because you know at the end we are in this together you know it's it's when we <laughs> when we together when you fail something it's not like it's it's just our fault or your fault you know we kind of fail together it's just this is the way how the how the how the partnership is structured so uh but but again i would say it's a it's a it's in any kind of a partnership where you have your own stake you kind of you kind of care <laughs> so, yeah. so this is what we do okay and then given that you are you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different developers and have had a relationship and have you know kind of pushed a, a fair number of games to to be very successful in your opinion what do you think it generally takes to be successful as a mobile game developer what are like the winning characteristics or qualities of of, of such uh, in my opinion that in last i would say five five to six years uh, since we kind of first started uh, like working uh, with uh, with gaming companies, there there is a there is a shift that, in a sense, you no longer are able to be expert at everything. So and and I think uh, and what I've seen like five or six years ago, there are many companies and also very successful. They would say like, no, we will never do any kind of whatever uh, whatever partnership or help outside. You know, we have all the best people in house and we know everything. So. So I haven't bothered, and we've seen some, even one of the biggest companies actually also reaching out to us that, hey, actually, you know, we think that, uh, that you guys you could help with something, with, with something like that, and 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 it boils down to to the 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 whole uh, mobile gaming business became in like extremely complex. Uh, even if you're, uh, uh, let's see, how how many how many parts have to go right. Uh, fit together you know from you have to have a very good of course the core is a the core is a product so core is a game the, the game has to be good <laughs> before no amount of analysts or UI experts or whatever publishers will 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 make we make bad game uh, you know good uh, so you have to have a, so even making a good fun scalable game is incredibly hard you need to have a very talented designers you have to have very talented programmers artists uh, you know, producers, uh, everything in one place. And of course, even if you have these people, it's not like that every game will be a hit. You know, you still, right. it's very hard to estimate what uh, the 3.5 billion people around the world will consider <laughs> or will consider a good fit for you. So even this is very hard to do. And on top of that, we haven't even touched it. Actually, you have to, uh, what, what's like on the data side, like data, data is a kind of a, kind of a hard and messy job in the sense that, uh, uh, that what 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 I learned in the last like seven to eight years uh, working with data is that you have to be skeptical about every step. Everything will go wrong all the time. Data collection is broken. Your integration is broken. Your query is broken. Uh, even if this is right, interpretation of the data could be wrong because you know you didn't take it into account. And even this, when right, uh, still, there is a human element that you need to convince someone to do or not do something based on that. So, 
So you have to have a Microsoft skills and that. So 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 I think the the, the industry is moving into more specialization in a sense uh, that 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 you need to pick your battles. You need to you need to say that hey, I'm a I'm a great game designer. I'm able to construct a great product team, and I'm able to find these people, put them together, and but I kind of honestly think that I'm not able to find the best analyst or even assess if the guy is a is best analyst for me, but I can go someone who is. Uh, the same with UA, the same with, and if you go to the details, even on the publishing side. So so some, something that I, that that it's uh, even like a thing like a community management and quality assurance and, and stuff like that, relationship management. Each of them requires like, 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 like certain skill set that, that if you want to do everything in house, it's uh, it's it's just it's just too many people and not necessarily uh, you know the best. And what I like, even if you construct this perfect team of superstars and put them in the one place, create this billion dollar game, now you are a victim of your own success. Now you don't want to just stay stay kind of a floater, do something. No, you want to earn two, five, ten. Uh, so. But you have your best people already assigned somewhere, doing somewhere. So you need to find ten times those people. You know. Uh, so 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 I think uh, I think you need to pick your battles. You need to honestly be. Uh, <laughs> I, I learned to be like super humble, uh, in the sense that uh, that uh, that you know I do not consider myself uh, like a great game developer or, or expert in many areas. So so I think my my, my battles are on the the business analytics and the scalability size. Uh, but I want to partner with talented developers who are able to do something that I wouldn't be, you know, creating a fun, scalable game. And together, you know, we can be just so much more successful than if you had a great game, but mediocre uh, business or scalability team, or if I had like the best scalable team in the world, but mediocre <laughs> a product uh, to, to go with. So, I, uh, so, so yeah, I would say this applies to developers, publishers, service providers. Uh, whoever is out there. Got it. And then, but speaking a little bit more specifically to publishers, mm -hmm. given given the number of dead bodies there, what what do you think it's going to take for publishers to be successful? Is it you know you talk about specialization, but is there anything else? Um, so uh, especially our USB, like something like for example, what we've seen uh, that uh, that's, that's even from our portfolio, like uh, Fingersoft, uh, you know, they are quite unique position. They have for many years a top one casual racing game out there. Uh, you know, they have 1.1 billion, uh, you know, downloads uh, on hill climb racing series. Uh, so, so you now they they uh, what they're trying to do their USP uh, as a publishing or publishing our uh, around zero is like, hey, you know, uh, we have a very good knowledge about our audience. Uh, if you have a game which fits that audience, we can just you know skyrocket it uh, for you. Uh, I think this was mentioned also, also a couple of times in the podcast that that you know you may have an access or very good knowledge at certain certain audience uh, that that me as a developer instead of building it on my own can partner with you and leverage it. Uh, that that other part is is of course uh, resources. So and 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 to be honest, I think that money is less and less. Of an factor at any point. I think there is just, uh, in, in my opinion, it's just too much money everywhere right now, including gaming. Like it's not really that of a problem to to get money. The problem is what we what would you do with the money? You are you're a studio over five people. You have a great game. You get this like massive MGs or massive investment. You you raise millions, but now what? 
now you need to money are ruthless by itself you need to turn them you need to hire some people you need to invest into something and and again and this is actually a very hard and tedious uh, long job to to even turn one million you have a one million okay i'm gonna hire the best people it will take you months to convince someone to move somewhere to, to do something and so on and at the end you're running against the clock there is like opportunity window for every game out there a game that could be very successful three four five years ago uh, can can literally be very unsuccessful right now. Uh, so uh, so so I think that and what I what I find exciting about mobile gaming that uh, you know you actually need to make decision fast and for you the biggest enemy is opportunity cost. So so not doing something can cost you so much more than you know uh, looking to 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 waiting for for something to happen or or something. No, so so even something that wouldn't be considered as a let's say most optimal move uh, by, by some stuff can be the best move you can get just to get the game out in certain shape uh, and you know make something out of it. All right, Mishka, take us home. All right, so just to wrap it up, let's let's talk about let's talk about your your clients and and certain of you, some of your clients. So, I mean, we talked about Trap Live, but let's talk about you know, famous companies that you're working with, Calibri being one, you work with Frogmind, uh, better known for for uh, for Badlands, uh, and Fingersoft that we mentioned a couple of times, both of, I mean, all of those are pretty pretty famous one, and, and you work with a lot of uh, up-and-coming companies. So what are the sort of games that are doing best for you right now? And, and what, in your opinion, has been kind of like the key for those success? And I understand that all of those companies are very different i think you scaled i remember seeing a news where you scaled uh frog mines that football game i kind of forgot what what it was called. Yeah, yeah and then you went really well in asia i think japan right yeah uh so yeah yeah so it was just very very interesting uh collaboration so with frog mine it's it's yeah it will be two and a half years already since since we met uh again thanks to fingersoft also a great story like very finished one uh, uh, Frogmind uh, got invested by Supercell, uh, mm-hmm. and like a month or two later, I know the hill climbers seemed to launch. And of course, uh, Frogmind had they were doing this switch from very successful uh, premium developer to a free to play. They already had a prototypes that that actually they get a bunch of bits like from Flare Games uh, to to Hoobie Games to actually Supercell, which of course I'll beat them all. <laughs> uh, but again, they 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 uh, they essentially reach out to us that hey, you know we're uh, we know that we are new in this field. We have a we have a great prototypes. We have a support from literally the the, the number one uh, developer in the world uh, in this this like PVP Minch core uh, titles. Uh, but still, you know, we would like to would like to have a talk to see that what we can go, do with it. Uh, so uh, and 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 what we've seen we've seen from very early on the the, the prototypes about Bedland Brawl, which is essentially a PVP game based on the uh, the battle niche and rumble stars which was like a brand new concept uh not really tied into uh, the bedline the ip uh, or legacy and uh, and again even uh well like <clears throat> from like some initial tests uh, from both of the games that we've seen uh before we've seen that that uh, that bedline brawl it's, of course it's, it's on this thing it's ip and atmospheric feel uh, but it's a niche game uh, you know we, we can see it already that you know the game the, the base performance uh, was pretty good, uh, but again, we've seen on the CPIs that it will be a niche game. On the other side, the Rumble Stars uh, was had a similar baseline, uh, but the, 
the the essentially the, the what we consider the marketability of it was so much better. The, the CPAs were multi, multiple times lower. So we already knew that the game uh, and and Battle and Brawl was not 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 badly performing game at all uh, considering the circumstances. But we've seen but, but we could expect the Rumble start uh, will 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 be so much better. And this is this is the interesting part. You. You you can see from the from the data that yes this will be this will be good but of course you have you have no way to to know exactly you know how good like will be like this or this or where and this turned out to be a very interesting uh, story uh, when when the when the rumble stars launched we we noticed that the performance uh, that the performance in some countries uh, for example in small, like small ones like Israel it was like number one grossing for, for some time uh, but 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 especially Japan not just crazy like like the numbers there uh, in like retention the, the overall performance was just was just ludicrous uh, and uh, from the UI performance so uh, so as some of you I know uh, Facebook isn't a big in Japan uh, but Instagram is and you can actually acquire uh, users uh, through uh, through that uh, pretty efficiently, uh, so so we've seen uh, amazing performance there. Uh, of course, there was a big visibility from stores uh, as well, but it kind of created this kind of the perfect storms uh, for Japan. That uh, for for of course there there are some reasons for that. Uh, looking at back, <laughs> but uh, the, the the characters are are pretty fit. The the core gameplay is let's say somewhat. Someone resembling Monster Strike, which is like literally the most successful game, which is out there in Japan, uh, and and of course it uh, like combined with the big visibilities and big uh, big UI push from the beginning, it created this this extra special thing that only a couple of companies were able to achieve uh, at scale. That uh, you know, if one thing is that you're playing the game, second thing is if the whole class or or your colleagues are playing the game, and this is what we found out that drove the uh, drove the tremendous uh, like uplift and upside, especially in Japan. That that it became uh, we got we got great calls from from you know, the Mixi guys uh, that that hey everyone is playing Rumble Stars there you know it's like how did you guys you know made it uh, when you listed in in at any like top 100 games in Japan you know you could see you know like just Japanese symbols and number 10 like Rumble Stars by Frogmine from Finland and then. And, you know, 90 more, uh, you know, Japanese games. Uh, so, so it was so. So it was, of course, it was. It was uh, as always like a mix of, mix of a great product, uh, great timing, uh, and 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 bit of uh, bit of luck, uh, and, uh, and and it kind of kind of brew like a like a like a perfect storm in APEC uh, for Rumble Stars. Uh, so, so uh, so again, it's it's uh, it's it, it, it was uh, for us. It was also a great learning that. Uh, that, uh, that at the end, you know that the game will be good, but uh, there's literally, I, I don't believe there's uh, there is a, <laughs> there's a way how we could predict that you know it will just go crazy or viral in Japan. Uh, it's 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 some some of the some of the good uh, good surprises that fortunately you still get. Nothing is you know truly computable from that. Uh, but yeah, but from our collaboration, you know, uh, we worked very closely like on the on the uh, on the analytic side, uh, handling the soft launch, handling the UA, also. Uh, so we're, we have a we have a project in place how to actually uh, based on the data we have how to further optimize competition. We we see a still a big potential uh, in scaling the game, especially because of the proven marketability of the of the core performance, which is good. Uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, to be honest, we have we have a great hopes uh, with Rumble Stars to 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 go even after spectacular launch 
Mm -hmm. We think that it will grow uh, further. Uh, but as you know, right now it's uh, it, it is July and the whole Nordics is closing in July. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so we're waiting for the rest of the teams uh, to come back to do something. So, so to, to kind of like, um, my question is more about, do you have like a certain key games that are sort of like the, uh, the stars of your portfolio? Like if we think about Scopely, they have Star Trek, they have, um, um, it's not Dice with Friends. It's, is it, is it Dice with Friends? You yeah, yeah. With that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, so essentially our, our, our stars, of course, Hilltime Racing 2, it's a, it's an amazing game. Uh, it's still doing very well. We had like a big case study how we improved on a game which is already uh, like two and a half years out there, a plus 50% of a baseline monetization just by better uh, delivering content of our players to them. So this is what, what we get a good feedback on that. Of course, Rumble Stars, we think, we think the game will will be even bigger than it's right now uh, after after some roadmap changes and optimization implemented. Uh, now, game actually, I would like to uh, I would like to mention, and it's uh, uh, and it's and it's a bit under the radar, but also kind of confirms uh, like long term scalability with the team. It's a darts club. Uh, it's a game actually by uh, by Boombit, uh, and it began. Also, we we notice it as a the prototype has a very good retention numbers, uh, but not really uh, any monetization mechanism plays and so on. And like super small team, it's just two guys uh, like doing their stuff, uh, but essentially working with them and them being like super agile. Uh, and, you know, actually, you know, uh, when, when, when some feature came up to my mind, it's literally implemented the next day, next two days in, in like, uh, like in, in what we perceive that, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 the, we've, again, we've seen that the game has a very good retention performance, but we we also also knew that darts it's a pretty pretty small niche, so you know how big it can get. But so what's interesting, like the game after after global launch, it overtook global launch revenue in just three months. It's growing month on month every month, like like essentially steady, like no crazy uh, hookest yet, but but so far it's actually overtook uh, kind of every. Uh, every expectation we initially had for the game, and and uh, I, uh, you know, I, I would like to see how, where we can get. But but actually, it's one of the most I would say profitable or, <laughs> or effective project, considering that's like a super small team on that, uh, that's not even big yet. And it's a it's, it's yeah. a round game. So and and uh, considering uh, with, with many different titles, it's, it's it's the agility of the team which determines even like what may seem like a. Like a, like a niche game or a game that wouldn't be that good, and just by iterating, adding, uh, able to add all of content, able to to test uh, many of the stuff. This is something that that is there. So actually, we'll be we'll we'll be uh, we'll be having a uh, we'll be publishing a nice case study about that. You know how it literally grew from I don't know three cents LTV to to multi multiple dollars, and you know like this is just linear. You know game as a service scale. So uh, so so that is one. Um, uh, of course, uh, we've we started a uh, partnership with Colibri Games. Uh, uh, we're, we're determining the scalability of their portfolio. So, of course, uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll happy to share when I will be ready. Uh, it's a very fresh collaboration. Uh, but again, also like for me, it's it's amazing. Uh, and also, thinking so, it's kind of amazing of the performance of the Hill Climb Racing Two still. Uh, that is going 
in strong. Uh, and 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 again, we have we have we, have, we haven't run out of ideas uh, what to do with them uh, yet. So uh, and of course there are some there are some uh, like like you say uh, upcoming stars uh, that that we think will be big. Uh, like this 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 year was a bit crazy. Like last nine months, we have one global launch like every month. Uh, and actually, the perfect song for us was the the Coffee Corp and the Rumble Stars uh, within like a couple of weeks, uh, which uh, which again got us like a like a sing, sing, single post on LinkedIn had like sixteen thousand views. I've never seen that ever. But just I mentioned it. Hey, you know, we launched Coffee it was number one strategy US, and you know, Rumble Stars topped in Japan. Like nothing really <laughs> into that and. And and it is literally the, the most successful post ever. So 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 this is the thing. Like I we 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 think we have a quite strong pipeline of games yeah. that we'll be hoping to launch. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Fun fact about the uh, the Coffee Corp. It's um it's by um, Starberry, right? Is yeah. that the, that the name of the company? Yeah. The uh, the CEO is the person who hired me originally in the games industry. So. <laughs> I worked with him at Digital Chocolate, so I'm I'm pretty aware of, of who, you, who you work with, and uh, but um, yeah. So so um, so finalizing, I would like to hear like what are the other sort of a sort of a key trends on mobile or mobile publishing, however you wanna however you wanna you know phrase it. Like what do you see as as big things in the future, and how you how you're kind of like interacting with them, and um, yeah, like what what is what is the future in mobile publishing? Um, I think it will be uh, it will be um, actually leveraging more and more uh, different revenue sources uh, to have like a very good uh, very good baseline LTV performance, which will enable you to do whatever you want to do with the game. Uh, namely, like we've seen a surprisingly very good performance uh, of of a good design uh, a, a design on top of what was like supposed to be 100% in a purchase game uh, like we see that ads uh, ad, and ad monetization is growing of course growing very strong uh, will be bigger apps and so on of course you can you can you can do the design in completely wrong way so it cannibalizes your in-apps if you do it right you have can literally double your uh, uh, your LTV, and from the opposite side as well, we see that uh, games which are supposed to be 100% ad-driven never mm-hmm. even thought about doing something else. Uh, suddenly, I think some good features, some meta game, and so on, uh, can actually have have a significant net purchase boost, and you know, again, uh, drive the drive the game somewhere along the way. On top of that, we have subscription. On top of that. You know, we have uh, we have distribution channels uh, outside, you know, the main stores, which are actually getting stronger and stronger, especially in emerging markets, which we have like, mm-hmm. you know, one billion, uh, one billion users in Africa, India, uh, you know, South America. Uh, that you, currently you are sad because you can, can't really monetize them efficiently through in-app purchases or even ads because you know they do not have credit cards or uh, there is not really anyone advertising there but still you are able to uh, with a good uh, with, a, with a good game you are you are able to get uh, like not that insignificant money on top of returning now so so i think it's it's uh, it's it's a, it's a very exciting place to be i think i think the the overall the overall stage is healthy <laughs> everything is growing some things uh, more than others and those who can, but those who can, you know, kind of combine it uh, all together will be those who will, you know, read the, read the most benefits. I don't think that anymore the the mantras that you know 
just you know we'll just hundred percent uh, ads or hundred percent in apps uh, we'll 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 cut it uh, anymore for four years. So so uh, hybrid monetization and and other uh, growth channels and of course when you're talking about hybrid monetization I think Archero is probably one of the most interesting examples of a of a game with with that type of mechanic I'm sure everybody who's listening has played that game. Um, <laughs> but as as final final note I mean we've been talking for almost a couple of hours. People want to reach out to you and they want to reach out to Superscale. So what, what's the best way to reach out to Superscale? Uh, and where is the next event where people can meet Ivan? <laughs> uh, so reach, reaching out to us, I think it's extremely simple. Just just ping me on LinkedIn or write me at Ivan at Superscale. Uh, like also the fun part, like I, I didn't really have anyone in BD sites until I met Mika. I was just everything was kind of handled by me anyway. So, uh, so of course we have some some people helping with just. Uh, but yeah, just write me if you have if you have a game uh, or if you have if you have some use case. Uh, you know, we can take a look at it, and at the end we can maybe connect you with someone uh, that will even if it wouldn't be good for, for us. Uh, I'm very happy to connect uh, with someone that uh, you know uh, with think uh it's, it's a better fit or could help me more uh i'll be i'll be at gamescom uh so uh the whole week monday to friday so uh so you can meet me uh and that's uh, our team uh actually the six of us at china joy uh right now actually touring uh, touring some some chinese places uh, even after <laughs> that so uh so uh, looking forward uh if to hearing from them as of course the <laughs> the connection is not the best between West and China for various reasons. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we essentially uh, this is August for us. Uh, after that, we try to we try to have some meaningful presence at shows. So if we're going somewhere, we try to actually bring some value and some some case study on top of that. So uh, so so yeah, I, I'll I'll hope I hope that you'll see us where we should be. Perfect. So thank you. Thank you very much for, for having this much time for us and explaining how everything works. Uh, thanks. Thanks for, as always, to my co-host, JK and um, Ivan Trancic. It was a pleasure. Perfect. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you guys. Thank you very much for inviting me and, and yeah, looking forward for the whole series. <laughs> yeah. So. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Ivan. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. All right. So.